dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Before we do anything, it's important to stop and plan how we're going to do it. After all, failing to plan is planning to fail. Part of this planning includes looking at where we could actually falter along the way. And understanding the reasons we fail can become a big reason why we succeed. In this fourth talk of the series, we look at one of the biggest reasons we fail. Fatigue, burnout, and being frustrated along the way. Welcome everyone. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for coming to this seminar with the Leadership Network where we're trying to bring the power of our faith to bear concretely on what we need to do in our businesses, our companies, and for some of you, your families, right? Because in the end, we know leadership is not, it's not uh, the exclusive property of businesses and business leadership programs, but that everything that we, it, that's authentically about leadership and business can be applied to the family. And we understand that. As a matter of fact, we can learn a lot in our businesses by paying attention to even how we lead in the family and some of the situations and lessons we can learn there. So I'm glad that you're all here, but I'm going to focus in, especially in the context of business today, because I think it's a realm that if we don't address how we can integrate faith into our businesses, a huge portion of our culture will be left without the leadership that Christ wants to bring to it. And when I say huge, I mean huge. If you just think of the number of hours in a day that you spend at work compared to the number of hours a day that you get to spend inter interacting with your families, uh, you realize that the majority of your time is eaten up by what you're doing in the workplace. And when you extend that across the country, you really start to realize, my goodness, if we take Christians out of the workplace and say that faith has no bearing on what happens in the workplace, two things will happen. Number one, we as Christians will become weakened because we're going to be spending eight to 12 hours a day independently of our faith, outside of our faith, not applying our faith and not feeding our faith by what we're doing. And, and that's just really bad move. And then number two, the workplace is going to be weakened. Because instead of being led by people who are imbued with the Spirit of God and who are kept with a correct focus on the dignity of the worker and on the justice of the marketplace because they have a faith that bears them, we're going to be led instead in our, in our working environments by folks who are led by other values. And I just want to make a comment because sometimes we say, okay, well, that's fine too. I mean, there are Christian values and there's other values. Let's be sure about this. Christianity is the guarantor of true and authentic humanity. And it doesn't mean that non-Christian values don't have a place. It simply means that non-Christian values will have value insofar as they refer to the same things that Christian values are referring to. Namely, the dignity of each individual person 
and the irreplaceable freedom that's at the heart of who they are in their identity and in their character. And so, you know, we, we can't just act like values are all the same and Christian values are special. The, the Christian emphasis on the true pathway forward for a human being is absolutely uniquely superior to any other proposition that's out there. And we who lead our, our companies in the name of Christ should not be ashamed of that. On the contrary, that's one of the reasons why we lead our companies. It's because we know we have a unique value proposition. We don't just work, in other words, according to the dictates of the market or according to what will make the most profit, even though these things are just fine. Uh, an economy needs ethics in order for the economy not to consume ethics. All right. If, if you want a world that's purely if efficacious, purely focusing on productivity, where capital dominates and where labor is left with no rights or privileges, take away Christianity from the scene. Or again, if you want a world where you only work and where you work according to the dictates of the government uh, or according to the dictates of a state system instead of out of the freedom that belongs to you uh, based upon your God-given nature will take Christianity out of the system. I mean, we could, the effects of, of Christianity within the system is that the system becomes authentically humanized thanks to faith. That's just an incredible statement that most of us don't put the two and two together. And we end up saying that, no, actually, that, you know, faith is about spirituality. It's about God. Work is about humanity. It's about man. That's actually false. Nothing will impact your vision of the human person and of what you're doing in the workplace more profoundly than your vision of God. Faith teaches us about God, but God is the one who created us. So the more that we learn about God, the more we also learn about his plan for us. And being on God's side when it comes to work makes sense, not just for the workers, but for the work itself. And this message needs to be brought to bear. I mean, when you look at the mission of Christ to save the world, it should astound all of us that he spent at least 20 years in the workplace working with his father Joseph. He was known as the carpenter's son, the son of the carpenter in Nazareth. I mean, and so to think that Jesus Christ would have wanted to sanctify the place of work ought to give each of us the same momentum. As Christ entered the workplace so as to sanctify it, so also ought we to enter the workplace to sanctify it and to save it so that work really remains truly human and that we don't become a slave to the very instruments that we create. If we're not careful, the incredible economy that we create will end up eating us alive. And, and being careful means having the safeguards intact of saying that while we work to live, we don't live to work. That's the big difference. We work to live, but we don't live to work. And the fact that we can say that comes from the faith that we have and the understanding that we have of our innate superiority over whatever we produce. The producer is always greater than what he or she produces. The fact that it comes from us and depends on us means that there's something inside of us that's even greater than the productivity of our hands. And what could that be? 
What is that greatness inside of us? The true greatness inside of us is our ability to love and our ability to contemplate, our ability to adore, our ability to live in communion with, with God. And, and, and that's the reason why we work. We work so as to express that, to ennoble that, and we work from that. And if we keep that in perspective, work doesn't become something that's disgraced. On the contrary, work becomes even more noble because it's the expression of the soul. Right? And now that's a vision that's incredible because now we're saying that work needs to be done. It needs to be done beautifully. It needs to be done well. We need to engage in it constantly. But that there's also a limitation to pure productivity. And that's the enjoyment of the good life and the ability to stop what we're doing from time to time and actually go back to an even higher activity, the love of our families and the love of God. Now, why is this so important? I want to talk with you today in our seminar about burnout and about fatigue. It'd be interesting just to take a poll of how many of you right now listening are feeling burned out. How many of you listening right now have tears welling up in your eyes because you're at the end of your rope and you just feel like you can't go on anymore and it's metal grinding against metal inside of your soul? I bet there's quite a few of you. Is there anything that can be done? Yes, Christ has an answer for burnout. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. So I want us to look at the situation very clearly. Every time we do something, we're expending energy. And by expending energy, we risk exhaustion. So when we dare great things for Christ and we enter into the workplace and we begin our families, we always begin with great aspirations and with a great desire for success. If we don't want to get to the top of the mountain, we're never going to get there, right? But you don't start to climb a mountain because you don't intend on reaching the top. You start to climb the mountain because you want to be at the top. And that's where we all begin. We all begin by wanting to achieve the great things that are in front of us by nailing our jobs and making the new hires and making the things successful from the ground up. And yet when you're climbing a mountain, any mountain, you get to a point where you have to decide, is the view worth the climb? <laughs> and because your legs are burning and your lungs are out of air and you can't see a darn thing and you feel like you've wasted so much time and energy and you are tempted to just turn back. And this can afflict us at every aspect of our lives, small things and in great things, family and in work. It's part of the human process that as we expend the valuable resources of our time and of our energy and of our talents, we know that we can never get them back. I mean, every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else saying yes to work and yes to our career and yes to pushing forward with new initiatives oftentimes means saying no concretely, you know, without wanting to, to our family. I mean, every hour I spend at the workplace is one less hour that I spend with my kids and with my spouse. And after a while, you know, and that's just in the workplace environment, you could also look at the other way. Every hour that I spend with my family and my spouse, I'm not spending on myself. 
and I'm and my own growth as a as a person and my talents or my interests. And this is a fine thing. It's actually part of the, the, the laws of, of the world that you can only do one thing at a time. And so the real question is, am I convinced that what I'm doing right now is what I ought to be doing? Right? Fundamentally, deep down inside, if we're out of alignment and we're not sure that what we're doing flows from who we are, that our productivity flows from our identity, then we're going to have a fissure inside of us where a lot of energy and a lot of, of love is going to be lost. Constantly, we're going to have this little anxiety, this little fear inside of us, a voice inside of our head saying, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. You're wasting your time. And that voice can, in the end, drain us so effectively of our energy that we just can't go on. And, and, and burnout can take many forms. And here I'm not talking about any kind of psychological condition or anything defined, but, you know, the, I, I, I don't have the qualifications for that. But just that the practical experience of losing the drive and losing the, the, the desire to achieve and to arrive at the end goal is something we've got to be aware of because it creeps up on you. We keep on plunging ourselves into our work, thinking that if we can solve the question of how much work we have on our plate, then we'll rest. And that the real situation is, no matter if you work hard, you're going to have even more hard work ahead of you. <laughs> I mean, just look back on your life. Have you ever stopped working? Have you ever gotten to that spot where you're like, and now it's over? No. As soon as you demonstrate success, you get promoted. And with promotion comes even greater challenges. And if you're a serial entrepreneur, like so many of you are, you know as well as I am, they, they could put you on a deserted island and you would open a hotel. <laughs> because it's in your nature. You just can't stop working. You, you know, and, and so we throw ourselves there and we say, gosh, as soon as I'm done with this project, then I'll be with the kids. And as soon as I get this idea done, then finally I'll be at my rest. And it never ends. I remember speaking with a really busy university president one time who was doing all kinds of amazing things. And he said, you know, Father Nathan, I used to get to work at five in the morning so that I could get everything done. And then I simply stopped that and I said, you know what? I'm going to start to come to work at nine in the morning and see if it makes a difference instead. And he says, you know what? I have the same amount of things to get done. <laughs> the difference is that now I have two hours in the day to start my day right and to pray and to be focused and to read and to spend time on developing myself. And, and it's true. And this is what's the problem with those of us who want to achieve. Our life can be all about the achievement. And in fact, let's remember, achievement flows from character. Achievement flows from soul. Work flows from identity. It doesn't forge the identity. If we don't have it right and we don't put ourselves before the work, the work will consume us. And just like an economy will take over a whole spiritual ethics of a people, so our work will dominate our lives and grind us to a pulp. We have to be bigger than what we do. That's the secret. How do I remain more than my work? How do I remain bigger? How do I increase within my soul, within my person, within my identity, the source, 
that from which work flows, right? So if I invest, in other words, in those questions and invest in myself and in my inner life, I'm not going to take away what's essential to my productivity. I'm actually going to make my productivity resilient and life-giving instead of draining. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network, where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So we're trying to understand fatigue uh, from not just from a, a psychological point of view, but as a profound experience that can afflict all of us when we try to dare something great. There's not a lot of fatigue when you're dreaming dreams. There's not a lot of fatigue when you're mapping things out and figuring out in your mind the best way to approach a situation. Fatigue comes when you hit obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, when it just never seems to end. I'm thinking of a quote by Thomas Edison where he says, I'll never give up for I may have a stroke of luck before I die. <laughs> Isn't that a great quote? It just speaks so well to the spirit that a lot of us feel, right? Like I'll never, I might have a stroke of luck before I die, right? So like everything that he's doing, this, it's hard. It's hard to push forward in life. It's hard to constantly have to face wave after wave after wave in a battle that never seems to end. But when you're crossing an ocean in a boat, the one of the worst things you can do is begin to curse the waves. <laughs> what I mean is that the, the fact about life is that life is going to constantly have these situations. Every day we get out of bed, another wall of problems and situations is going to hit us. And it's never going to stop. The, I mean, think about it. Like, what does, what does peace look like for you? Where will you live where you don't have a succession of problems to overcome? We're all crossing the ocean in a boat. Waves are just the nature of the thing. And so in the same way, problems, the situations to solve are the nature that is in life. Our problem isn't, in other words, that there are problems. Our problem is that we have problems with having problems, right? It's on the inside. That's where the real situation is going. I need to solve the fact that of how I'm approaching the things that are in front of me. Am I looking at the situations ahead of me as if they were bigger than me and as if I was playing defense and reaction to everything that was happening to me in the course of my day or in my family? To the degree that I do that, I risk burnout because eventually it just overwhelms. But if on the contrary, I can adapt the attitude that Christ gives us to have, which is that there is nothing outside of you that is bigger than the one who is within you. Then two things would happen. Number one, the values of what, how I approach my work would change. I'm not, in other words, gaining value by working outside of myself or gaining value by doing things. I'm instead adding value to everything that I do. The beauty, in other words, come of the world outside comes from the world inside. 
My job as a Christian is to bring that beauty through my efforts into this world. The order that's on the outside comes from the order that's on the inside. I am the source of my work. I am bigger than what I'm doing. My work doesn't define me. I define my work. And this means that I, I take a, an, a, an assertive approach to the situations of my life. That, that I recognize that my dignity is bigger than what happens to me. My dignity enables me to act in the world around me instead of just letting the world around me act upon me. So how do I, how do I overcome that fatigue? I'm never going to do away with the problems in front of me. But I can take the time, and I need to take the time, to reconnect with the foundational motivation behind what I'm doing. St. Paul, of all people, shows us this. St. Paul, I mean, you say, where is this in the Bible? Well, it's, it's actually 37 times in the New Testament that St. Paul uses a phrase, and he, it, it's actually a word called hypomenai. Hypomenain in Greek is a Greek term that, term that means to endure through, to endure no matter what, to hang in there. I think the best translation is really grit, to be honest with you. It's, it's, a, it's something that St. Paul says Christians need. Sometimes it's called long-suffering. Sometimes it's translated as patient endurance. But it basically means to not give up. And I find it so refreshing that St. Paul has to use this term. When you look at everything St. Paul went through, you can understand it. But how refreshing to see that even St. Paul had to go through it. There's, there's a, oh, in God's wisdom, he's made life challenging. But he's also given us, in his wisdom, the knowledge of, that's going to get us through that challenge like victors. We don't just endure and get knocked around. We feed on the challenges life gives us. And we can become even better through them. This is God's wisdom. That our life goes upward and we gain and grow every day to a, a greater magnitude as we become better and better through whatever we endure. So what's St. Paul's secret? I mean, how did he do it? And how does God expect us to do it? What's the wisdom that God gives us? Number one, remember this. You are God's son or you are God's daughter because he loves you. Our work and our dedication to changing this world is not what makes us great. <laughs> okay, so the contrary to everything that you've learned in your whole life, right? You're not awesome because your position in your company. That's not what makes you awesome. You're neither are you awesome because everyone in the world around you thinks that you're really great because you've got a great car. Right? This is not what makes you awesome. Christianity is like, these things are just fine. But there's something even deeper. And that's you're awesome because God made you. And when you keep that in mind, and you put that at the forefront of who you are, you also need to take time out of your life and out of your day to reconnect with that. Because the way that our economy is shaped and that our culture is shaped around our economy is that we think that we have to throw ourselves constantly into acquiring more and in, in achieving more and in doing more. And we, we do. We, of course you do. It's a fine thing to do. But you need to do that out of love and out of the sense of how wonderful God is 
and an almost like an act of gratitude for, for who he made you to be instead of in a desperate search to find your identity elsewhere than in the infinite love of God for you. This is just an awesome message. You don't have to take it. I know I can see you guys. You're just like, saying, I'm not sure if I can adopt that. Well, welcome to Christianity at the same time, because if you don't adopt it, what's going to prevent burnout from hitting you? What's going to keep you going forward during the tough times? I'll tell you what will happen. You're going to bail. As soon as you start to sacrifice more than you're giving, then you're going to quit in the job. And we see it happen all the time. The famous golden parachute. Everybody else loses their job. The guy at the top, he just ejects with all kinds of money to go with him. And that's ridiculous. There's a better way to live. And that's someone who says, I don't need to run away from the problems in order to have peace. The fact is, I'm bringing peace to the problems that face me. Because my peace doesn't come from resolving problems. My peace comes from the love that God has for me and the knowledge that then he's put me in this job to achieve what I've got to achieve and do what I've got to do, but as an expression of gratitude and of love for the one who loves me. This is where we find our energy and our source. How I can move forward through the adversity that hits me every single day if I don't have love for the end goal and love for the one who put me there. Love is what makes us strong. It's a Christian difference. This is what makes us not less effective in our businesses. It makes us even more effective in our businesses. I mean, I've read that kind of pity someone who doesn't have that. You could be super effective in the world and have a huge hole in your heart. Now, what good is that going to do? You know, I mean, seriously. If you really want to be effective and you really want to push through and you really want to make a difference, and you really want to be able to do that in the long term over the rest of your life, well then root everything that you have to do in something that you don't have to do, into something that you've received. Jesus' love for us is a foundation stone. Take a moment and close your eyes and just reconnect with the God who's inside of you, a God who loves you immensely, Who's knocking at the door of your heart to remind you you are great because you're my son you're great because you are made for the infinite now whatever you do in this life bring that message into it don't think that you're going to gain that message from anyone else you don't need to instead let the love of the father be more than an emotional reflex for you. Let it be the foundation for your action and the reason for your endurance. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.